There was a report earlier this week that congestion in Toronto is back to pre-pandemic levels. And I'm sure this is not news to you if you're listening to us currently right now on The Gardener or the DVP. As a matter of fact, with 80% of downtown office employees continuing to work from home, I mean, this is obviously a problem if we are back to congestion levels pre-pandemic and 80% of us still are not working uh, downtown. So obviously the question is, what is the future of transportation? Let's welcome in our friend, futurist Nick Badminton. He joins us now with more on this here on Global News Radio. Nick, nice to talk to you. It's been a while. How you been? Yeah, I've been great. Thanks. It's good to be here. All right. We keep talking about the uh, future of work, but what about the future of transportation? And I think, Nick, a lot of people point to EVs, electric vehicles, but those that are thinking uh, a little more outside the box, they're actually looking up to the sky as the future of transportation? Yeah, you know, uh, investors need something new to to, to put their money towards. And uh, these futures in the sky above our cities as transportation methods are certainly uh, alluring to those people. So, yeah, I mean, people are talking about everything from like jet packs to autonomous electric uh, um, quadcopters and the such like being able to transport tran- um being able to transport us from from one side of the city to another or from one one city to, to another as well and definitely in certain areas like like rural areas or something like that i see a huge amount of opportunity with that i'm hugely skeptical at the motives behind you know putting the transportation in the air and who's really going to be using that all right. Technically, just how achievable is this? Things like jetpacks or flying cars. I mean, flying cars, that's something we've talked about since the Jetsons were yeah. on the air. Yeah, I don't necessarily like to use the phrase flying cars. I mean, these these are basically like quadcopters and, and you know, different uh, modes of, of, of helicopter transportation, basically. But w- what people are trying to do is they're trying to electrify them. They're trying to make them cheaper. They're trying to create ecosystems and networks. So it's more accessible by more people. Uh, and, and that it's going to look like sort of an on-demand sort of flying service. It's not that easy to make happen within cities. And really, it fundamentally ignores the problems on the ground which is city design, which causes congestion, um, the population growth, what people need, you know, and accessibility to, to good public transportation as well. So, you know, looking to the skies and looking to these amazing ideas from a safety emergency services perspective, I think it's a really interesting idea from a personal transportation perspective. I think it's still like very wealthy people having access to, you know, being able to jump in one of these quadcopters, uh, electric autonomous quadcopter from from downtown, potentially getting to Pearson Airport quicker than than other people or whatever. So it, it's kind of interesting. There's there's a sort of a tug of war between what's really needed and that idea of our shiny bright flying car future. Mm-hmm. You know, those that are looking at jetpacks and uh, drones and such and transportation in the sky as kind of the solution to congestion. I mean, is this similar to what went on years ago, do you think, Nick, with sort of, uh, you know, property and space and uh, trying to fit as many people as you can into square footage in a city? And obviously, particularly here in Toronto, we started building up, right? Building so many uh, condos, condominiums, and that's happening all over the place now. Is this a similar thinking that's uh, driving this uh, so-called solution to congestion? 
I'm not sure whether it's the same thing. If we think about the, the growth and densification of cities, that, that, that was born of having access to the ability to make money, the ability to be closer to downtown cores. And those ideas have sort of been challenged in the last couple of years for many people in white collar occupations. The thinking behind this, let's take to the skies, let's look at new forms of transportation, really comes down to... Uh, trying to create this this fantastical uh, future that's ahead of us rather than being something that's hugely practical. However, if the people behind this really focus on the utility behind this in terms of emergency services, policing, and all of that being responsible and ethical, and also services within rural areas, then I think we're along the right lines. However, I think these investors are going to push for Uber-style services. You know, you just call up these vehicles, you go to stations around Toronto and fly from one area to another. It's going to be a gimmick at the beginning, but these kinds of things can catch fire. But again, it's going to be people that can afford to do it rather than access for the general public, I feel. Okay, so having said all of that, what is the solution? What is the future when it comes to gridlock and congestion? Because as I mentioned uh, off the top, Toronto congestion, they say, is back to pre-pandemic levels and still 80% of downtown employees continue to work from home. Well, you know, there's some very simple ideas behind uh, making the situation better. I mean, how many of those vehicles have got one or two people in it when it could actually have four people in it? How many of those people could shift onto public transportation networks? And how can those public transportation networks scale up? If you look at places in Europe like Copenhagen, you know, they embrace human powered transportation and, and biking and public transportation as well. You know, those kinds of places should be inspirational for us rather than the places you know, like Dubai and, and other uh, other uh, places that are playing with the idea of these electric autonomous flying vehicles. So it, it's really interesting. It comes back to the fundamentals of city design, access to transportation, and also a cultural shift from feeling like we have to drive ourselves to work to maybe, you know, sharing those rides or taking to public transportation. Yeah, I got about uh, 30, 40 seconds here. But when you talk about that cultural shift, how much does the pandemic play a role in that and people's hesitation to be in small, crowded uh, areas and spaces uh, when it comes to using public transit? I mean, I've always said from the beginning of the pandemic, Jeff, that it's all about protocol. If you can ensure that people in those cars are vaccinated and, you know, maybe even people want to wear masks, it's well ventilated, there's good HEPA filters in those public transportation uh, vehicles then I think we're going to be okay. I mean, protocol could have taken care of a lot of the worry that we have. But, you know, there's this idea of freedom and not wanting to necessarily adhere to those those guidelines. So I think it's time for us to reevaluate where we are with the pandemic and to realize that protocol is going to, going to liberate us from it um, in the long run. All right. Got to leave it there. Nick, always a fascinating conversation. Appreciate the time with us on this Friday and have yourself a great weekend. Thanks, Jeff. See you later. You bet. Futurist Nick Badminton with us. We'll get a break here on Global News Radio. Stay with us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.